We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you never want to be in this position where, you know, you're eliminated from the playoffs, you know, with three weeks to go and, you know, still football left to play. You always want to be in the hunt in that regard. But, you know, at the end of the day, with the COVID stuff, it's tough, man. You know, you think it's gone and, you know, you go to the OTAs, you know, this past summer and you kind of think we're we're getting through it with the vaccine and, you know, not really that big of a deal during camp and, and really the start of the season. But, you know, you kind of see it take a life of its own. So, you know, it is what it is. This is the world we're living in, and you just got to do your best to stay positive day in and day out. Chicago Bears tight end Cole Komet. We visited with Cole today. He was talking about where they're at right now uh, after what happened this past week. And, you know, I, I don't know that we have given the Chicago Bears enough credit. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the finished product was about as ugly as it gets Monday night. But the reality is that they kicked the Vikings' butts all over the field. They outplayed them specifically. It was the best defensive performance we've seen from a Bears team in the last six, seven, eight weeks. And that was, you know, with 14 players on the COVID list, the entire starting secondary. Uh, they came to play. And for that, they certainly deserve credit. And uh, that was Cole talking today about some of the, uh, the, the not difficulty so much as some of the realities of trying to fight through that. So uh, 312-644-6767 is the phone number at which you can call or text. And we promise we would get back to the phones. Going to take as many calls as we can in the next hour or so. If you're not calling us, we've also got a special interview uh, on tape from earlier in the week that Anthony Heron had with Dr. Bill Maurice of the Mayo Clinic uh, talking about the COVID protocols of the NFL, NBA, and NHL. Very uh, informative stuff. We're going to see if you guys want to own the rest of the show, or if not, we've got some more great content for you coming on the phone, uh, I should say, uh, via tape. But right now we're getting back to the phone lines. And first, we're going to head out to Columbus, Ohio, home of the Ohio State Buckeyes, the temporary home of one Justin Fields. And we're going to welcome in Guy. Uh, and Guy, thank you so much for, for dialing us up. How you doing? Hey, Hub, it's, it's Clint from Columbus. I love your oh, work. Sorry, and, uh, this is It's okay. This is as good of Bears talk as anybody could ask for. So great job. Thank you. Thank you. 
Um, I've had a chance to watch Fields for a long time, and you know, there's no doubt in my mind that he's he's got the ability to play in the NFL. When I think about his future, you know, I think about so many other guys, whether it be you know a Russell Wilson, a Cam Newton, an Eli Manning. The, you know, so many things have to fall into place other than a guy's simple ability. And, you know, your your earlier interview touched on, you know, maybe this, this isn't the right offense to his strengths. I mean, also another point to make is the Chicago climate is sometimes it's just not a climate in, during the game where a guy can put up, you know, huge numbers. You know, that being said, um, I, I guess my question for you is how confident are you really gut feeling is is he the guy for the next you know five to eight years and the in the second part is is who would you like to see that you think best tailors his strengths if they move on from Nagy? you know who do you think is is the best um you know fit for, for fields well clint uh, you know you're getting to the heart of it and this is where the conversation i think gets interesting but also gets frustrating because the reality is that, you know, there's been 32 quarterbacks taken with top 11 picks in the 13 years, last 13 seasons, I should say. Five of them have succeeded. Every one of them was taken with those top 11 picks because they had some unique traits and some unique abilities. And and, and what separates these kids in the end is, is the mental part of the game. It, it's the it's the intuitive feel for it. It's something that you sometimes sometimes I think they're just born with it. And when I say it's the mental part of the game, it's not about being smart or dumb or anything like that. I, you know, I mean, some of the smartest guys in the world are the ones who don't make it. Um, but the ability to process information. Uh, read defenses, make split-second decisions, and then add the physical component to it at the speed at which the NFL game is played is a rare, rare ability. And it's not something that you really know if they have or not until you see it. And, And with most of these guys, you don't see it until they've had a chance to develop in the league and get used to it for a while. And so... Um, I think that Justin Fields, of those 32 guys that I just mentioned, has as good, almost as good an athleticism as any of them. He's not quite the runner that a Lamar Jackson is uh, or a Kyler Murray. He's got that kind of speed. He's not the natural runner that those two appear to be. Um, there, there have been a few others that have been very good with their legs. You go way back to Steve Young was one. Um, but he also has that rare arm talent that you look for. And I would equate his arm talent to a Brett Favre or a Patrick Mahomes, who are the only mm-hmm. two guys I've seen in all the time I've been doing this who had both the athletic ability and the arm talent. And that's why I'm so excited about him. The problem is, is that will he learn to process? Will he learn to read this stuff? And, and you can go back and watch some of the Ohio State tape. You can certainly see the tape that, that, that you're seeing this year with the Bears. He is a, a split second slow, you know, and, and, and you know, the fact that, that we saw it at times at Ohio State is why he was the fourth quarterback taken, even though I thought that clearly him and Trevor Lawrence were the two best prospects. I, I have no idea what the Jets are thinking with Zach Wilson. I, you know, I mean, to me, he's just another one of these guys who, who is unlikely to make it. 
Um, Mac Jones, I think, is going to be successful. He's going to be a good game manager, but he does not have anywhere near the ceiling that these kids have. And with Trey Lance, we, we just don't know, you know, because, I mean, he had 17 games of FCS football. He has that kind of athletic ability. He's got arm strength. I don't Arm talent and arm strength are two very different things, you know, and I think Fields has arm talent. Um, but the ability to process, the, 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 the mental part of it, I can't, you just, you can't predict that, you know, and, and I think that people have to be patient with it, but that's what you have to watch developing. And I got to be honest, going all the way back to the Cleveland game to, to Monday night against the Vikings, there's too many plays where I'm seeing him still struggle with the same thing. And, and, and that said, it, it doesn't happen in 10 games. It doesn't happen in a year. So I am hopeful. I, I think he's got a chance to be one of the special ones. Um, but I think the first half of next season are going to be pivotal. And, and, and so to your point, who's the guy? I, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I think it's a mistake to assume that the head coach has to be that guy because that's not necessarily true at all. Um, I, I think you hire the best head coach you can. And if he is an offensive guy and a quarterback developer, then that's fine. If not, one of the things that makes him the best head coach is he knows the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach to go get. Um, there, there, there's, a, there, there's, there's good ones out there, you know, and, and it's just a question of, of making the right choice there. But I think Bears fans make a huge mistake assuming the head coach has to be that guy. Thanks, Hub. I I think this is just such a great show, and I'll be tuning in at uh, two o'clock next week uh, during the uh, during the week. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Clint. Same to you. I appreciate, it. and that's thank even you. from Michigan alum to a Columbus guy. I, I, thank you so much. So uh, appreciate the call. Let's get out to Frankfurt and welcome Patrick in. Patrick, how you doing? Hey, Hub. Uh, I had a thought as far as the future head coach for the Bears. I used to hear the name Dave Tobe thrown around a lot. It seems like after Tressman, after Fox, he was on everybody's kind of short list, but I haven't heard his name anymore. Are you thinking that's because he's unlikely to want to leave Kansas City? Does the fact his title says assistant head coach have anything to do with his availability? I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. No, that's a great question and a great call, Patrick. I, I think Dave Tobe has a chance to be an outstanding head coach in the NFL. And actually, it's a, it's a puzzle to me why more special teams coordinators don't get head coaching opportunities, because very few do. And yet the hit rate is much higher on these guys. I mean, that's what John Harbaugh was. Uh, that's what Mike Ditka was. Uh, you know, um, uh, Dick Vermeil had expertise in special teams. Uh, it's just that they so rarely get the opportunity. And, and, and it's, it's kind of counterintuitive because they're, of, the, of the three coordinators in any team, uh, they're the only ones who are dealing with all facets of the game and offensive and defensive players. And Dave Tobe is the best special teams coach in football. And, 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 and you know, you look at the, at the background that he has and, and, and developing under Andy Reid and, uh, well, actually first here with Lovey Smith, uh, uh, and then Andy Reid, I think, I think Dave would be an excellent candidate. Um, I do know that one of the issues with, and I like him a lot. We got, we got kind of friendly when he was here in Chicago because we both got involved in, uh, in a, in a great cause together. The, the Midtown Education Foundation and Metro for Girls is a outstanding organization here in Chicago that, that, uh, uh, does work with at-risk kids to keep them off the streets after school and provide special tutoring and, and focus on education. Um, uh, and Dave and I spent a lot of time, uh, not a lot of time, we, we spent a fair amount of time together uh, working with those folks. Um, and and 
he, he's really, he's a good guy. Um, he is, when it comes to football on the field in the locker room, he can be a little prickly sometimes. Uh, he, he's got a, an interesting edge to him. Um, uh, and, and if you don't know him and understand him, you might react the wrong way. And I don't know uh, if that has been a factor in the few interviews that he's had or not. Um, but I think that he could be an outstanding head coach in the NFL, given the right situation and the right opportunity. He has been around long enough that, that, that he has a great network of other assistants and would be in a very good position to find uh, the right offensive and defensive coordinators and quarterback coach to, to, to take Justin to the next level. Um, it, it is interesting. He's got an extensive background with Matt Nagy. You know, they were there together in Kansas City. Um, uh, I don't think that's, that's impactful one way or the other in terms of, you know, what, what his chances of getting the job would be. Um, but, but it is, you know, worth noting. So, um, you know, great option. And, and I'm sure that, you know, it depends on how many jobs are open. I I think there's going to be less jobs this year than what we're used to other than Oakland, Jacksonville and the bears. Um, it sounds like Joe judge is going to survive at least one more year with the giants. Um, uh, there was actually talk in Frisco about Kyle Shanahan midseason. That's off the table now. Obviously, that job's not opening up. Um, so I, there may only be three or four jobs available, uh, and the competition will be fierce. But I, but I think Dave would be a, a highly qualified candidate for one of those jobs. So let's get one more call before we go to another break. Tony is dialing us up from Arizona, listening down in Arizona. Tony, thank you so much. How you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, Hub. How about yourself? Good, thank you. I really appreciate you taking my call. Um, I've had this question um, probably about a month now, just out of curiosity, as far as, like, the hierarchy is concerned, as far as the front office. Mm -hmm. If they are in the market to restructure that, um, being president of football operations, being, like, the top of the food chain, why wouldn't they look at other general managers seeing that being a promotion oh i think they would tony there's no question about that so you know you look around the league and you say you know who's done an outstanding job i mean uh john schneider is a guy in seattle who's done an incredible job there and i don't know exactly what his title is at the moment uh i think he's the general manager but that's been kind of a, a, a tag team thing with pete carroll and, and, and possibly the chance to, to, he's a Midwest guy originally, and the chance to come back here and have complete control of a football operation. Uh, Schneider would be a guy that would be worthy of consideration. One of the guys uh, that I keep pushing is Rick Smith, who was a general manager in Houston and is out of the league right now. He left Houston because of a, uh, a family situation. His wife became very ill and eventually passed away. But, uh, you know, they're, they're general managers. Um, uh, I'm trying to think quickly off the top of my head, a few other guys who might qualify. Um, but, but I think that's probably exactly where they're looking. You know, I mean, you're, you're not going to find, um, you really are, are looking for a very successful general manager who's ready for a new challenge and, and is close to having complete control, but hasn't to this point. And, and so, uh, you know, Schneider and Smith are a couple guys that, 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 you know, names that I would, you know, think you'd want to keep an eye on. Uh, and I'm sure there's a few more, Tony, that I can come up with if I spend a little time researching that for you. And I will do that because I think it's an excellent question. Uh, we'll get one more before we break. Rick is right here in Arlington. Rick, how you doing? Oh, Nick, I'm sorry. Nick. Doing just fine. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, sure. Okay. I want to get right to the point. 
Mm-hmm. Why are the Bears playing this Fields kid right now when their season is basically over? He's taken some severe hits like he did last night in previous games. Why would you put this kid out knowing that next year the whole regime is going to change, hopefully in the front office all the way down to the coaching staff? Why would you take a chance on your one franchise player ending his career earlier when your season is over? I just don't get it. Well, Nick, I think I can help you with that. And the answer is towards something you said at the end. You don't know if he's a franchise player. You you brought him in to be that, but he hasn't done anything yet to say that he is. You know, and so uh, I, I personally I thought it was insanity. There. Well, Nick, let me finish. I thought it was insanity to let him start against the Cleveland Browns when he clearly wasn't ready. There was no reason for it. That was not the plan. Okay, we we were told that they had a plan which was to go with the veteran game manager and try and compete to develop your entire roster with Andy Dalton and have a special package right. for Justin Fields each week to get him on the field a little bit more at a time and let him learn as he goes. And to me, that was the ideal way to develop him. But once they went to him against Cleveland and then decided there was no turning back against the Raiders, he became the starter. And you've got to ask yourself, has he progressed at all from where he was in that Raiders game to where he is now? And the answer is no. So I I get your concern. I'm not saying that you don't have a valid concern, but at this point, you've got to keep playing him to find out if he's the guy, because if not, you've got to evaluate that position too. But Hub, a good quarterback is all based on how good his offensive line is. And you know, and I, everybody in Chicago knows the Bears have a horrible offensive line. Why take mm-hmm. a chance on ending this kid's career behind a horrible offensive line? Nick, first of all, it is not all based on the offensive line. It's an important element. I'm not arguing with you about that. But the Bears' offensive line is not as bad as you're painting it to be. It has improved over the course of the year. It's not a great one. It's not necessarily a good one. But they've certainly gotten themselves to average, and they've had some games where they've played better. And again, same issue. The, the biggest problem is at the two tackles where you're playing two rookies, and you got to find out if those kids can play or you don't know what you got to do there. So, so Nick, listen, thank you for the call. I do appreciate it. We're going to move on because i got to get to a Thanks, break. But, yeah, but, but at the end of the day, I, I, I've heard this concern from people, and Nick's not wrong. I, you, know, you, you certainly don't want to get this poor kid hurt. But this is his job. <laughs> this, is, this is what he's getting paid to do is playing football. And, and, and it's up to him to protect himself in large part as much as anybody else. You can't play this game assuming that people are going to get hurt if you don't put them on the bench or you're going nowhere. So um, Nick is not the only one with this concern. I don't think it's an unreasonable question, but I think the answer, Nick, is it's the job he's getting paid to do, and you got to put him out there and, and hope that he does it well and that he's able to stay healthy while he's doing it. And by the way, that is the same for all 53 guys. You don't want anybody hurt, you, you know, but... but That's the risk you take playing this game. So we're going to take a very quick commercial break. We've got some more calls lined up. Going to get to the tech zone as well. I realize I haven't been there all night. I apologize, guys. I had a hard time getting in at the top. We've got it working now. I will get to some of your texts in a few moments as well. Right here at 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. Uh, I could see a Fetty when it was all going down afterwards, I could see him trying to get him to go back and, you know, and just be smart. You know, so many in those type of situations, there's so much that goes on that we see and don't see um, everybody, everybody involved, you know, and then there's, there's TV copies. And, and so um, I think the biggest thing in that is that you have two guys that are trying to do whatever they can in a situation to help each other out. 
Uh, these, these guys, if you know, hub, I mean, the way that Juan has this O-line room and how tight they are, these guys are like brothers in there. And so you got big brother and little brother, in my opinion, that's what that was. And, um, you know, they're, uh, Jermaine is doing nothing but trying to tell them, Hey, let's be smart. We understand where we're at. And you got, um, Tevin who's trying to protect his quarterback. So they, it's all for a good cause. And when you, when you're in those moments, um, sometimes that stuff happens. So, uh, I just appreciate the, the um, protection that they all have for each other. Chicago Bears head coach Matt Nagy, I asked him this morning how he felt about the, the dust-up between Jermaine and Tevin and Tevin getting the penalty uh, in thinking he was protecting Justin Fields. That was his answer. He basically felt that both uh, did the, 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 the right thing. How should I put this? He felt that they both had the right reasons. You know whether they did the right things or not. I think remains to be seen. Uh, but that they both did them for the right reasons, and that he was comfortable with it. Guys, I've got about 40 minutes of show left to pack into 35 minutes. So uh, we have a great interview that was done earlier with Dr. Bill Maurice of the Mayo Clinic that I really want to get to because it really helps you out with understanding where these pro sports leagues are at with the current COVID situation. We want to play that. Want to get to your last couple calls. We're gonna to have to wrap up the show. So real quick. I'm going to try and get through a couple people on the line right now. Uh, you make the call quick. I'll make the answer quick. I want to get to everybody. Yummy is in downtown you know, Chicago. Yummy, how you doing? Louisiana, we know. Okay. Hello, Yummy. Hey, it's Yummy. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I just want to let you know that uh, I really appreciate the way you uh, understand and explain about the Chicago Bears. Thank you. But this is secret. That's that's a secret I want to let you know. Okay. Yeah, that's a secret. Of... Go ahead. That's a, that's a secret I want to let you know because you know the secret is that if you remember, you know, when uh, Banjo, Big Banjo was here. Uh huh. You want, you hear me? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think you may have to turn your radio down. Is what's causing the problem here. I can hear you fine. Oh. Go ahead. Okay. You know, when Banjo, when Big Banjo was here, you know, that's why you don't know that uh, everybody be thinking like uh, um, Nagy is a good coach because mm-hmm. we got a good defense. Mm-hmm. But remember, since Baggio left, the defense is not be like it used to be. We got the other one that when he left, then we got this desire now or something like that. Now mm-hmm. you can see how weak, how that... Uh, um, Nagy is not a good, it's not a good offensive coordinator because the defense by that time was doing a good job, so that that's why they try. That's why, and since Baggio left, the Chicago Bears is not being the same. That's what I just want to say. Now, now, whatever they need to do now, I'll, I can't wait for the end of the season. Baggio gone, uh, Pace gone, everybody gone. Right, Maybe we need think- a new president. Yeah, we have a uh, we, we have a new president, president that is going to oversee to the hire his own general manager. That general manager to hire his own coach, and then we're going to go, go from there. And when they do that, I'm telling you, a lot of BS fans like me, I'm a die-hard BS fan. I'm going to be so happy. I can't wait for the end of the season. Thank- 
Yami, thank you very much for the phone call. I hear you. Nick Fangio, one of the best, probably the best defensive coach in football, certainly was a big part of the success in 2018. Actually, in 2019, under Chuck Pagano, the Bears were still fourth in points allowed in a top five, top seven defense. Uh, and then things started to come apart in, in 2020. It's been a very disappointing year this year. So Yami is right. The loss of Vic Fangio was significant. Let's get out to Rockford, where Mike is a regular caller. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Hello, Hub. How are you? Okay, thanks. Hey, listen, Hub. Uh, listen, there's been all these rumors and stuff uh, about about the Bears cleaning house all the way up to Ted Phillips and getting rid of him. All, all I want to know is this: how can you know, how can the McCaskies not see their own demise, their own mistakes, and understand where the problem lies, and understand that you have one of the most historical franchises uh, in the NFL, the founding father, Mr. Papa Bear Hallis, and you, you just, they, they've run this, this has been a train wreck since he's been gone. They, they rode the coattails of the 85 championship, and then Ditka was released in 91, and then it kind of faded away, and they had a few blossoms here and there. But for the most part, they've been owned by the Packers for 25 years, and it's disgusting. And my, my question is, if, if they're going to make a decision, if the rumor is true that they would put Pace in Ted Phillips' position, how could you put pace, if that is indeed true, and I know it may not be, and I hope to God it's not, but how could you put pace in that position? If he was, if he was promoted, how could you promote a guy that needs to be released immediately? Because, you know what, he may have drafted some decent players in the later rounds, but his first-round picks have been busts. And I don't know any GM in the history of football, I'm sure there's some others, but recently that comes to mind that has given away more draft picks than this guy. And I'm just praying to God it's not true. I hope they're all gone, and I hope they get Ted Phillips out of there. They put a man in there that knows how to run a football team and knows the sport rather than promoting Ryan Pace. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, yeah, Mike, I, I hear your frustration, but I don't have much to answer for you because you're asking me to comment on rumors that, that, that I'm not even hearing. I, I mean, uh, people have suggested there's, we know that the McCaskey family is not as disappointed with Ryan Pace as a lot of fans are. There is some justification for that, but I don't have any credible reports that they're planning on making Ryan Pace the president of the team. So I can't comment on how they could. And, and, I don't, and if they do, they can because they own the football team. So, uh, you know, I, I understand your frustration. But, but we're really just speculating about stuff here that it's kind of pointless. We're going to have some answers in the next couple of weeks, and we'll see, you know, what that 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 last move is. Let me let me get to one more call, and then we're going to have to take a quick break again. But Mike has been waiting patiently in Glendale Heights, and I think Mike wants to talk Packers, and that's fine on my show. And, and I didn't want you to think that we wouldn't get to you because of that. So, Mike, how you doing tonight? Yeah, I should talk to you again, pal. I was just wondering, do you uh, have any update on the status of Bakhtiari and Alexander? Are they going to be coming back a couple of games before the playoffs? Because I think they're going to get the first round by, and really they got to play a couple of games to get back in game shape and contact. I was wondering, well, you know a hell of a lot more about it than, than me. What, uh, what, would you, uh, what would you think about that? Well, Mike, the, the, the puzzle is they have been rumoring David Bakhtiari's return for about five weeks now, and, yeah. and it doesn't happen, you know, and, and so I don't know what's going on there. Alexander, I, I think, is a little more clear-cut, and I do think there's a good chance that you'll see Alexander uh, probably, you know, week 17 and then maybe take some reps week 18. I do think that they, they are confident and hope to have him for the playoffs. But with Bakhtiari, you know, it was, a, it was an end-of-the-season ACL tear. 
it is a, a, a you know for a complete recovery it's a 12 to 15 month injury and so he's really only working on about 10 11 months after the surgery and i think they want him back i think that they'd love to have him back i think it'd be great if they got him back but he's the best left tackle in football prior to that injury and you certainly don't want to do more damage than good so um is a mystery to me right now but i do think there's a good chance that you're going to get jar alexander back in time for the playoffs. And with that, guys, I want to run to another break because we've got, I think this is an important interview I want you to hear. And then we'll talk for a couple minutes afterwards. But uh, Dr. Bill Maurice from the Mayo Clinic was on with Anthony Heron uh, earlier in the week and really informative about where these professional sports leagues, specifically the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, have to be with COVID right now. We've got that come up for you in just a minute right here at 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. No plans right now to pause the season. We've, of course, looked at all the options, but frankly, um, we're having trouble coming up with what the logic would be behind pausing right now as we look through these cases, literally ripping through the country right now, putting aside the rest of the world. Um, I think we're finding ourselves where we sort of knew we were gonna get to for the past several months, and that is that this virus will not be eradicated, and we're gonna have to learn to live with it. And I think that's what we're experiencing in the league right now. Welcome back, everybody. Hub Arkish with you for another 20, 25 minutes or so. But right now, I'd like you all to hear from somebody who, who I think has really kind of been enlightening, uh, visiting with Anthony Heron here at the score the other day on, on the realities that the NFL and the NBA and the NHL are all dealing with and trying to know how to work their way through COVID, keep everybody safe, and still be able to put out a professional product. Uh, and so really, th- th- there's nothing more I can add to it. Let, let's let's uh, key it up there, Brian, and, and let's let everybody hear uh, what Dr. Bill Maurice and Anthony Heron uh, were able to work through and discuss on the subject of COVID and professional sports right here on The Score the other day. Bill, how are you doing this morning? Great, Ann. How are you doing? I'm doing outstanding, Doc. I really appreciate your time as always. And, you know, no offense, but I was really kind of hoping that these uh, these interactions that we tend to have on the airwaves would perhaps be be less. They have been less frequent throughout this year compared to last year. But we now do have this this new spike, these new storylines of how COVID is affecting the sports world and your expertise is always appreciated. Before we sort of lock in directly on on the NFL and specifically, you know, what's happening here in Chicago or anything like that. Just on the macro, I'm, I'm curious for your thoughts on how it, it seems that we see professional sports leagues, the, the NHL and NBA sort of taking one approach that seems to be, you know, a little more stringent, a little more, you know, making sure that they are testing with enhanced frequency, where the NFL seems to be taking more of the, the opposite approach as it relates to to asymptomatic players, vaccinated players. I'm wondering, how do you, what, what are your impressions of how that part is playing out where each league seems to be uh, having different policies, taking different approaches? Yeah, well, first of all, it's, it's, uh, as much as it, I enjoy joining you, I agree. I, I think we're all hoping that we wouldn't be, uh, you know, having a holiday reunion to talk about COVID and its yeah. impact on sports. But uh, unfortunately, we are. And if you step back, I mean, in a way, it's not surprising based on what we now know about how the vaccines work and how it interacts with COVID. So, 
I mean, we what we've learned is that the vaccines do prevent people from getting sick um, with COVID quite effectively, but they they don't prevent you from catching it, right, or being able to spread it as well. It decreases it, but doesn't reduce it to zero. And so, you know, how the leagues are approaching this, the NFL looked at that and said, well, we have a lot of players that will test positive that will not get sick at all. So, you know, if they're asymptomatic, so why would we be concerned about that? You know, what? Why it's disproportionately affecting teams. You look what happened with the Browns Raiders and, you know, a lot of games getting, you know, rescheduled, postponed into the week here. Um, and that could just be worse with, with, you know, a playoffs approach and everything else. Um, whereas the other leagues are, you know, seem to be taking the approach up with that same information, still being concerned about the fact that, yes, it doesn't prevent, it decreases the chances that people will get really sick, but it doesn't make it zero. We did have a player here on the Vikings, Dakota Dozier, you know, earlier in the fall um, that got, he ended up, he was fully vaccinated that ended up having to go to the hospital with respiratory issues um, from COVID. So it's really how cautious the leagues are being um, and, and how they're trying to balance the fact that most players will be protected, whereas some will get really sick. And, and even the NFL, you could see that they're trying to, you know, personalize it by allowing players who are concerned about the risk, um, you know, being able to opt out for the season. Because the reality is, because of what I just mentioned on the vaccines, we, we can't get the, the COVID, unfortunately, to zero anywhere in we've seen anywhere in the country and let alone on sports teams and the the way that the nfl is going about it and a lot of the the response or reaction that i tend to hear and, and see from the public is essentially that since the athletes aren't aren't at as great a risk they're not in a demographic that's a part of the greater risk category suffering kind of severe health complications from covid then what is the point of testing them? What's the point of being up in arms? What's the point of, of having them isolate? And the, the reminder I've tried to put out there is that these athletes are, are a part of the larger communities that surround them as well. And so the, the approach that the various leagues are taking, how, I, I suppose, what, what do you see as the, the proper approach in trying to make sure you're still detecting COVID to help control the spread while, you know, th- there are legitimate concerns for how much of your schedule, how much of your league should be shut down if your workforce is not necessarily one that, that's going to suffer those health complications? Well, that's a really good question. And I do think that, I mean, we've heard this voice by a lot of players in a lot of different sports is that it's not just about them. It's about the people that they're in contact with. And certainly the, the, the NFL isn't going to tell people not to get tested if they're concerned. You know, they're just not making it mandatory for asymptomatic individuals to get tested. Um, the other piece of it is that the NFL really has had no evidence of on-field transmission. So, you know, it's not like a player, and that's part of what their stance is, too, is that's not like an undetected COVID case is going to cause a spreader event on the field. But, you know, it really is. Um, you can make an argument that players would be allowed to, should be allowed to, to uh, play, and then potentially isolate away from the playing field if they are worried about spreading it to others if they're not sick. But you know, it, it, that might not be re- realistic, and so it'll just be. That's why I think there's going to be a lot of individual. You know, players have people in in their lives that they're really worried about spreading COVID to, uh, and they're worried they're going to catch it in the locker room and bring it home. I think they're allowing those players to opt out, which seems reasonable. Um, you could see it from both ways. You could say, gosh, a lot of players will be 
required to not participate if we stay by the, the current, you know, what before their announcement, um, that we'll never get sick and we're really disrupting games and people's livelihood um, by being able to participate. And then that's on the side that we should accept the risk and then on the side that we should be more cautious are all the things that you bring it up. So that's what makes it really hard. There's not, there's not a hard and fast answer. And there are things with Omicron, which we could talk about, which I think are, are also um, kind of driving some of these policies. I'm glad you referenced that is exactly where I'd like to head next. My discussion with Dr. Bill Maurice of the Mayo Clinic, president of Mayo Clinic Labs. You can find Dr. Maurice on Twitter where he is constantly tweeting very helpful and informative items there on his Twitter account at Maurice MD PhD with Omicron. Um, the, my impression right now, my understanding is that it, it can be transmitted even more rapidly than, than the initial strains of COVID while perhaps has not proven up to this point as deadly as as those were proving themselves to be where where are we at right now just with the information on on the risk associated with contracting the omicron variant well it's uh you know i think one of the most frustrating things about this entire pandemic I and mean, as you mentioned <laughs> we've been talking for almost two years and yet there's there's really a lot our approach to what we know about COVID has not changed in many ways and that it takes us a while to get enough information to really be definitive so what we know about this new variant, number one, it is definitely more easily spread. It has higher transmissibility, maybe even three or four times easier to spread than Delta, which was, you know, the, the most spreading COVID variant prior to Omicron. We also know that prior infection or immunization um, is not, it protects, but not nearly as much as it does for some of the other strains. The number I've heard is about 20%. Being, being vaccinated reduces your risk about 20% of catching Omicron. Um, and then last but not least, to your point, there is a suggestion that it might cause less severe disease, uh, significantly less, would be more like a common cold, which would be great. But the problem is with that is that we just can't be sure because many of the people who've caught it have already been vaccinated, so they would be expected to have less severe illness. So I think that's partial, you know, it does appear the only people who are really have strong protection against this variant are those who have been immunized and boosted. That's why you kind of hear, you could kind of see that today when I was reading about the NFL, why there's now an emphasis on boosters, but of course they don't even have mandatory vaccination. Um, and But that once it gets in the locker room, even when people are vaccinated, it's going to really spread. So, But it might not make people as sick. So I think that's kind of what they're looking at here is that if Omicron comes and it's here in the U.S., if it gets on these teams, you know, you'll have teams that will be shut down because many, you know, 80% of the players, even if they're vaccinated, could get could get positive and could get a little bit sick. So. That's what we know right now with Omicron. Um, I was in Washington, D.C. earlier this week um, as part of the – I'm also the head of the American Clinical Laboratory Association, so the Trade Association for Labs, meeting with government officials, trying to anticipate what's going to happen. Um, so, And it does. there is some concern that we'll see some higher case numbers here in January, which, of course, be right around the peak for NBA, NHL, and uh, NFL playoffs. And, of course, those sports you're referencing there, and you, you live there in, in the Twin Cities at the Mayo Clinic. and Well, you don't live at the Mayo Clinic, but there where the Mayo Clinic is, is located. And so all the professional sports teams are there available to you. You've got the NHL, the NBA, the NFL, just like we do here in Chicago, indoor sports versus outdoor sports. That, that was for a while a, a big conversation that was happening. And I, I wonder, do you have the impression that that – 
perhaps factors into the NHL and NBA taking one approach that's perhaps more more aggressive with testing still at this point versus the NFL where the majority of, of their franchises operate outdoors? Yeah, for sure. I, I think, well, I can't say for sure because it's not like I've advised recently, although I have been in contact with some of the medical officials from different leagues throughout the pandemic. Um, and you're, you're right. The NFL is definitely different. There's been documented spread on the field of play. Um, NHL and NBA, we, you know, we had that here last year where you'd have an outbreak on, we had the avalanche that had an outbreak. They played the wild, the wild got an outbreak. So it does appear, and there's been documented case in cases of spread during play in ice hockey, probably because of the cold air and players being close together. NBA, I'm not as sure, but you know, you would think that would also be high risk. And certainly we kind of saw some of that early days of the pandemic. So here, of course, the NBA, you know, the, the Timberwolves in particular are really um, are very much are really passionate about the issue of COVID because, of course, Cat has had unfortunately his mo- his mother passed away from COVID and had family members pass away. So, you know, for a lot of these guys, it's very real. Um, you know, the, the ravages of the pandemic. So, but I do think that that's also being taken into account as these different leagues kind of approach approach their COVID protocols. And the, the way that the leagues have handled it up, up to this point, you referenced how especially the NFL really sort of pushing their players more and more without mand- mandating it, but making sure that, that vaccinations and now boosters are a big part of the conversation. Give us a sense for the, the latest data on the timeline of, of how long, you know, and obviously athletes would be along similar lines for the, the general populace as far as how long the, the initial vaccines are proving effective and boosters at this point and the expectations for where that's at just to help limit your, your health risks with COVID. Yeah, so what we know with the vaccine is that it appears that probably about somewhere around six months after you've been vaccinated or had an infection that your immunity really starts to drop, you know, and that's, um, and that you're at risk then of catching COVID again and that chances, you know, chances are it will be more mild, but it's not certain. I mean, that's what we know about the current vaccines. And even what's what's happening now with COVID, it's probably just from the fact that many of the vaccinated players are kind of hitting that six-month window. It's and more Delta. You know, people have asked mm. and emailed me and asked me, is this Omicron? It's probably still, we don't have much Omicron in the U.S. yet. So it's probably more just Delta. Um, the boosters definitely help both for both Pierce Omicron as well as all the other strains in terms of preventing reinfection. It's usually about six months. I know some countries like Denmark actually shortened that to five months. Um, so we might see the leaks kind of go that direction. And then in terms of side effects, it really is no, they're no worse. I mean, if you, if the only, if someone's had a bad reaction, a player or anyone's had a bad reaction to one of the shots, then you, they probably have to, you know, not get the booster just because they'll get a, a severe reaction. But by and large, it, it seems to be as safe as the, as the other shots. And, and lastly, Doc, like I myself, my initial vaccination I got was the Pfizer and then my booster, I got Moderna. So I, I haven't tried the, the Johnson Johnson yet, but there was the, the recent information that came out saying that Johnson Johnson did have a, a higher risk of, of complications uh, from g- having that vaccination versus the other two. What, what can you share about, you know, whether or not, I don't know, is Johnson Johnson still safe? Should you definitively try to get one of the other two, even though it's multiple injections that are necessary for that? Because, you know, that's one of the things that 
you know, certain folks out there who are saying, yeah, well, I wanted to wait. You know, I, I told you I, I didn't want to get those those shots. <laughs> and now this information about Johnson & Johnson comes out and folks feel, I suppose, validated in their concerns to some extent. Yeah, well, so what we know about the, the, the Johnson & Johnson actually is that they now are recommending that um, anyone that had that you actually get two shots because you're right. That was one of the big advantages of the Johnson & Johnson early on was that it appeared that one shot might be effective and be easier to get everyone to get one shot rather than two. Um, now, you know, it appears everyone should get, you know, two shots, including the Johnson & Johnson. In fact, now probably three with the booster. Um, there is a risk of clotting. It's very rare, though, still, with the Johnson & Johnson. It's not like it's tons and tons of people. Just like there's a risk of myocarditis, which is all from the, from the um, Moderna and Pfizer vaccines, also very, very rare, like less than one in 100,000 people. So it's not like these are common. It, but it's, and that's where, you know, I think that's when sometimes why the leagues have, uh, have been a little bit cautious with going with mandates just because of that very low but real risk for some of these players. But, um, but honestly, if you've had the Johnson & Johnson, you should probably get um, a second shot if you haven't already. Um, and actually it appears that the, you can get the Pfizer and Moderna um, it's probably going to be harder and harder to get the Johnson and Johnson anyway, um, and yeah, and it's very effective. So, um, so that's and you shouldn't be scared if you had the Johnson and Johnson. It's not like you have to be worried you're going to get this complication now. Mm. They happen pretty shortly after, but it is one that you should probably consider getting. It, you know, your second shot or a booster. Yeah, I'm glad you went into that level of detail on it to sort of put folks at ease. I'm one. I'm going to sneak one more in with you here, even though I'm up against a break. But I am curious. Um, you know, we think back to previous generations, really before you or I were even on the planet. But you know, the like my son is four now, so he has to get his standard immunizations before going to school, that sort of thing. Where does kind of what like our parents and grandparents went through in polio and whatnot when the those vaccines were being invented and and studies were being done? How does that timetable that previous generations went through for things that we just sort of take for granted for immunizations today that aren't a big deal anymore, but now this is so new to all of us who are on planet Earth right now? How does where we're at in this process with COVID vaccines compare with with what happened previously? Well, it's just a much shorter timetable, right? When you think about the fact that there was a totally new vaccine technology now, it's something that had been worked on for for over 10 years in anticipation of exactly this type of event, right? Um, so it just, there's a lot coming at us. It's moving a lot more quickly than it has in previous generations. Plus, there's a lot more information out there between the Internet, social media, and everything else, which really, I think, makes all of us feel like we're a little bit in the washing machine on this one, getting spun around and around. <laughs> but it's, it's moving quickly. Um, I don't know. It's quite possible this could be, end up like the influenza pandemic, meaning that even with all of our science, that it'll just kind of go away on its own or become more mild on its own. Now, the flu vaccine that we get is for H1N1, which appears to be the, the flu that, you know, the influenza that caused that 1918 pandemic. So it's possible that our grandkids will be getting a COVID vaccine and like their flu vaccine, you know, or that we will as we get older. Um, don't know that for sure. It might end up being just like the common cold, too. So, um, so I mean, we're moving quickly. It's probably ultimately not that much different than what we happened before. Um, but there's just more out there, more medical science and more information and we're doing things a lot more quickly than we did. Even with polio, it took years, if not months, to make the vaccine. 
That, ladies and gentlemen, was Dr. Bill Maurice of the Mayo Clinic and our very own Anthony Heron visiting earlier this week and trying to get us at least as much uh, understandable, intelligible information as we can as to what the NFL, the NBA, and the NHL are dealing with, as well as all of us. And so hopefully uh, that information is helpful to you. I know I found it very insightful. That's why we wanted to replay it for you again this evening. Unfortunately, though, it leaves us out of time, or at least unfortunately for me, because I enjoy getting to visit with you all so much. And uh, before I go, I do want to give my thanks to all of our special guests tonight. Uh, we started out earlier this evening with Eric Edholm of YahooSports.com. Mark Potash, Bears beat reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times, was here, as was Joe Colley, who covers the Bulls and the NBA for the Chicago Sun-Times. You just heard from Anthony Heron, our very own aunt, and Dr. Bill Maurice of the Mayo Clinic. Also, huge thanks to Brian Callahan. As always, an outstanding job producing the show, putting it all together for us. And most of all, I want to thank all of you, those of you who called, those of you who text. I apologize for not getting back on some of the texts, but I think we covered a lot of it with our phone calls. You are absolutely the best sports fans in the world. That's why I am so lucky to try and help out a little bit in bringing you the very best all-sports radio station in the world, 670 The Score. For now, it is good night for me, but stay tuned, guys. Coming up next, it's the CBS Sports Radio Network right here at 670 The Score. Have a great night and a really merry and happy Christmas, everybody. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.